What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It is good to be with you. If you're new to the Dad Tired Ministry, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, You can go to dadtired.com to hear more about what we do. Uh, When you're there, click the community tab. That will link you over to a closed group on Facebook where we've got thousands of guys from around the world who are taking their faith, their family, and their marriage very seriously. That's not like a Facebook page. That's a closed group of guys who listen to this podcast. It's also a closed group of guys um, in there are guys who um, have recently gone through or are going through the devotional, the Dad Tired devotional called Stop Behaving, a gospel-centered devotional for men. So if you haven't picked that up, you can pick up the devotional at dadtired.com and then kind of discuss it and find other guys um, who are going through it in your area and around the world. So do that by by going to dadtired.com. If you're a longtime listener to the Dad Tired Podcast, would you do me a huge favor? Would you just pause it right now or right after I say this next thing? Would you pause the podcast? Uh, and especially if you listen to the podcast within iTunes and the podcast app, could you just pause it? And would you leave Would you leave a rating and review of the podcast? Uh, and I'm asking you to do that not so you can like give me a pat on the back uh, or a one-star review if that's what you feel necessary. Um, <laughs> but I'm asking you to do that because um, iTunes ranks the podcast. Like it, it puts it in front of more people, the more ratings it has. And the only reason that matters is that we get more and more guys who join us and um, coming together to understand the gospel, fall in love with Jesus and lead our families well. Um, we want to be men who take our faith, our family and our marriage very seriously. We want more guys to be part of this community. And so one way that you can contribute to the ministry is just by simply leaving a rating or review of the podcast on iTunes. That helps more and more people see it. So if you're a longtime listener, you love what you're hearing every week, you're encouraged by it, you're being pointed to Jesus, would you just take two minutes, pause the podcast, leave a review, one sentence review is helpful, but um, that would go a long way. I really appreciate that. Uh, Also, last week I had Paul David Tripp on the podcast talking about parenting, and it was amazing. I've been referencing it all week and using a lot of what he said in the last podcast in my own personal life, but he did give a, um, he talked about the conference that he's putting on in September 29th and 30th. If you haven't bought tickets to that already, you should. It's only 20, I think like 25 bucks um, per couple to go through that conference. Uh, It's online, live streaming, virtual, so you don't have to actually show up anywhere. You don't have to travel. You can watch it after the kids go to bed. Um, And it's available for three weeks after the conference. So you can watch it live during the conference and then you'll also have it, you know, kind of like DVD. VR on demand for three weeks afterwards where you can go back and kind of make date nights out of it. It is the best parenting, like gospel-centered parenting stuff that I have personally found. So go to dadtire.com forward slash parenting conference, and you will be able to find all the information on that. Uh, in some ways, I feel like I've, I've missed you guys. Like we've done a ton of interviews lately. Um, some of them, obviously the last couple of weeks you've been hearing interviews and then I've done some that haven't even been published. Uh, we haven't put up yet. And then, uh, I've got one tomorrow morning with, um, Jefferson Bethke, who's, uh, just a super talented, he follow he loves Jesus. He's, um, just, just a really, really great author, speaker, poet to YouTube personality. Um, just a cool dude. Uh, so I'm, I'm interviewing him tomorrow morning. That'll be up 
probably next week or the week after. But anyway, just have been interviewing a ton of people, like really solid guests. And, uh, but in the midst of that, I feel like I just miss you guys. (laughs) Like, uh, obviously when I'm doing interviews, I'm trying not to make it about me. Um, and giving my guests some time to talk about what they're doing and how God's using them. But in that, I, just, I feel like I haven't like caught up with you guys and hung out with you guys for a little bit. So I'm, I'm happy to be hanging out in a weird way as I stare at my computer screen and you're not actually here at a coffee table with me. Um, it feels weird, but in some weird 2017 internet podcast way, I feel like I get to hang out with you again. And so I'm grateful to be doing that. It is 7.55 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I just got home from our church community. We go to a little home church. Uh, my wife is giving our kids a bowl of cereal because, of course, they're hungry at the worst possible time. And then they're going to get a bath. And then um, I'm going to try to get some work done before the week starts. And uh, anyway, so that's when I'm recording this podcast. Sunday night, my fantasy football teams, they all won this week. So that was super encouraging. Uh, not that you should gamble. That's bad. Um <laughs> Uh, but I know a lot of you dudes play fantasy football and so, uh, so do I, and my team's won and I'm a Raider fan and I'm rambling. Good to be with you this week. I feel like, uh, this whole week as I've been thinking about and kind of going through all these guest interviews, one thing has been consistently running through my mind and on my heart. And so I thought as always, if you've been listening to the dad tired podcast for a long time, you know, I just kind of get on here and share what God's doing in my heart and what I feel like he's teaching me. And so I thought I'd just share with you what's been going on in my heart uh, and what's been happening and kind of in my mind the last few weeks since I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. Um, so first, in order, before I like get into like what I want to talk about or what I've been thinking about, we first have to go back all the way to the very beginning of scripture. I've been officiating a lot of weddings in this summer, and I tell this kind of same story every every time I officiate a wedding. I give this same like speech, and uh, it's basically this: that at the beginning of at the beginning of the Bible, the very first pages of scripture, everything was awesome. Um, God was making the universe. He made the stars and the galaxies and the planets and the trees and the oceans and the birds of the air and wild beasts in the field. And He's creating. And after every time God is creating something. He's saying, this is good. It's almost as if God is patting himself on the back. And he's like, man, this is, he's taking pride in his work. Uh, and, he, and he's, he's reflecting on how awesome it is that this creation that he's creating. He's like, this is good. This is good. He creates the stars, he creates the trees, everything. It's good. It's good. And then God creates his most prized possession, humans, humanity. Um, and he says, this is good, but it's not good for man to be alone. In Genesis 3, God creates humans and and God creates man. And he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And the really interesting thing about that passage is keep in mind, there was no sin in the the world. There was no um, shame. There was no hurt. There was no division. Everything was exactly as God designed it to be. It's the very first time in scripture we see God say something isn't good. And it's the only time in scripture where we see God say something isn't good. And yet there's no sin involved. And so God says, it's not good. Something that's not good is that man would be alone. And so God said, let's let us create for him a helper, a companion, a life partner. And God creates Eve, a woman to join in with man, that the two would become one flesh, that they would be together, united forever as one. It's the very first time we see marriage in the scriptures. It's the very first wedding in the scriptures. And I feel like I could go on a whole nother tangent uh, just about that. 
because it's super awesome, the story of God. Uh, the Bible starts with a wedding and it actually ends with a wedding. And maybe I'll get to that later. But for right now, uh, God creates humans, humans, and it's awesome. It's exactly as God designed it to be. Everything is perfect. And humans, Adam and Eve, they're finding all of their joy, their satisfaction, their identity, their worth in God and God alone. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God was walking with them in the cool of the day. Like he was just relationally connected with them. They were, they were part, um, they, they were in community with each other, which is, it's, it's literally like impossible for us to fathom this kind of relationship with a humanity with God where there is no shame. There's no hiding. There's no mystery or maybe there was mystery to God. I'm sure there still was, but there was like, there, there wasn't this, there was no division when it came to relationship between man and God. It was exactly as God designed it to be. And then you can't even get one page deep into your Bible. Uh, unless you have giant font like my grandma's Bible. But other than that, maybe you're two pages deep. But for most of us, we're one page deep into our Bible where things take a radical turn for the worse. And Adam and Eve made the same decision that you and I make all the time. They said, I wonder if God's holding out on us. I wonder if God is holding back on us. I wonder if we can find joy or satisfaction or fulfillment or identity outside of God. And they actually turn their backs on God as a result of making a decision of searching for joy and significance and satisfaction and love outside of their creator, God. And I always tell people that the Bible should be one page long. Like God could have, and he should have, he had every right to give up at that very moment. God, he didn't do anything wrong. God wasn't the one that turned his backs on human humans or, or did something wrong or broke his promise with humans, humans, humanity, Adam and Eve were the ones that turned their back on God and God could have, and he should have, he had every right to say, I'm out. Like, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go start a new earth somewhere else. I'm going to, I'm going to go create a new planet and make new humans. And we'll try this whole thing over again. Best of luck to you. Figure it out on your own because uh, you've turned your back on me. But God doesn't. Uh, and in the very first pages of scripture, we actually see God say, uh, he makes references to that. It won't always be like this, that there was now what was perfect, what was united, what was beautiful has been broken. And now there's division. There's division among humans. There's division uh, among Adam and Eve. There's division between humans and God. There's shame. They actually covered themselves up because they felt naked and ashamed and they were afraid and all because of their decision to look for satisfaction outside of Jesus, the whole system gets broken. But instead of God leaving people in their mess, God says, I'll make things right again. God's really nostalgic. Like he remembers how things used to be when they were walking in the cool of the garden back in the day where there wasn't friction, where there wasn't pain, where there wasn't tears, where there wasn't shame or sin or things in hidden secret. Like everything was awesome and is exactly as God designed it to be. And he remembers that. And God says, I'm going to make all all things right again. I'm going to make everything back to the way it used to be back when we used to walk in the garden together and there was no crap. Um, 
And so that's the story of the Bible. It's confusing and controversial and uh, all the things that the Bible is. It's essentially God saying, I will not give up on you. I will continue to pursue you. Uh, Even if you don't pursue me, even if you turn your back on me, I will be relentless in my love towards you um, because I want things to be back to the way they used to be. And so now here on earth, we get glimpses of that. Like we get, we get glimpses of heaven on earth or glimpses of what it used to be like in the garden glimpses of what it's like to live without shame or God healing things that used to be broken. Uh, and so, and we get these glimpses of heaven on earth or the garden. But God said, uh, he, he ends the Bible in the book of Revelation with another wedding, except this time between a husband and wife. He said, I will be the groom and you, my people will be my bride and I will come to you and we will come together again. And it will be like when we used to be in the garden where there will be no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. And it will be joy because because we will be back together and I will be your God and you will be my people. The Bible starts with a wedding. The Bible ends with a wedding. It's a beautiful story. That's the gospel. The the gospel is that God didn't give up on us. Even though he had every right to, he didn't. God pursued us. Um, And in the midst of that, as Paul says, husbands love your wives like that. That's the whole point of marriage uh, is, is that God, the whole reason God design marriage and allows us to continue to be married is so that when people look at us and say, Hey, why don't you give up on your husband? Why don't you give up on your wife? Uh, You can say, because God did not give up on me. Even when I was broken and rebellious and running far away from God, God pursued me. God is pursuing me. He won't give up on me. He's relentless in his love and his pursuit and his forgiveness of me. And so I will be relentless in my love and my pursuit of my wife, or if you're a wife listening, my husband. And that's the whole point of marriage, that our marriages would give people a glimpse of the garden uh, of what it's like to have a savior um, that doesn't stop pursuing them even in their in their brokenness so our marriages are sp- supposed to point to a much greater love story than uh, ourselves our own love story it's not about our love story it's about the love story of God towards humanity not giving up on humanity and that's why God hates divorce um because not because he he created rules and he hates when you break the rules. God hates divorce because it tells an inaccurate uh, symbol of his story. Mar- if marriage is a symbol of God's unending and relentless love towards us, if people look at our marriages and say, wow, okay, that's a symbol of what God is like, then divorce is, is an inaccurate symbol. It's a lie. It's a, it's a false representation of what God is trying to do through marriage. God is trying to point people back to his unending love for us. And so when we say, my love gives up or my love is ending or it doesn't continue to pursue, then we're, we're telling a lie uh, about the story of God. Um, all that to say, um, what I was thinking about this morning is from that very first pages of scripture where God was, uh, f- where we where humans were finding their complete joy and satisfaction and an identity in Christ when they turned their back on him ever since that day. When, when Adam and Eve stepped outside of the garden, they have been looking for, humans have been looking for joy, satisfaction, comfort, identity, hope in something else other than God. From the very first pages of scripture until this very day, humans have a track record of looking for joy, satisfaction, uh, identity, hope, and anything and everything outside of Jesus. Uh, we have a track record of doing this. And back in the day, in the Bible times, they would make a calf, like a golden calf, or they would worship some statue. And to us, that feels crazy. Like that doesn't that doesn't give us any kind of purpose. We just look at this statue and we're like, yeah, 
yeah, whatever. It's just a statue. It's just a piece of metal or gold or whatever. But for us today, we do it in all kinds of other ways. And the thought that I kept that kept running through my mind over and over this week was, um, for most of us in the Christian culture, we've been taught uh, that there's like these there's, there's like these idol, there's like the big sins, right? Like you're not supposed to do the big sins. Like before you're married, you're not, you're not supposed to have sex with your girlfriend and you're not supposed to look at pornography and you're not supposed to cuss or like listen to bad music or watch rated R movies or like whatever. There's like, you're not supposed to murder anybody. We know that that's like true. And you know, there's, there's all these like really clearly identifiable sins. And the thing is, as we become older and kind of mature in our Christian faith, um, we get, the I, the thought of worshiping something else, the thought of looking for satisfaction outside of Jesus doesn't go away. That is always until the day we die, until the day that that second wedding happens again, where God, our groom, comes back for his bride, the church. Um, our souls will always be longing for something else. And my thought, I'm kind of rambling, but my thought is this. That we as Christians have kind of labeled kind of these big coping mechanisms that we say are quote unquote um, sinful or bad. So it's like if you're addicted to drugs, um, then, you know, you're coping and you're you're not dealing with life in the way that you should be. And that's your God and that's your idol. And if you're like drinking too much and if you're getting drunk, um, then, you know, then then you're not dealing with life and, and all that stuff. But I think in the Christian culture, and this is the thought that keeps running through my head, is I think in the Christian culture, we have like Christian coping mechanisms where we are still, we're not, our lives aren't necessarily falling under like the quote unquote big sins. And yet we are still coping with finding hope and identity and satisfaction and other things outside of Jesus. And maybe they don't land in the big sin categories, but they're still like, incredibly detrimental to our soul. Um, there are a bunch of us dudes. There are a bunch of guys who are still um, looking at porn every day as a way to like find satisfaction for their soul. There's a bunch of guys who are spending a ridiculous amount of time in their fantasy football league. And I know I just mentioned my fantasy football league, right? Like, uh, but there are guys who are like, they, they spend a ton of time on that. Are there still guys who are desperately trying to like find their identity at work and their position at work or climbing the ladder or their success at work or how much money they're making. There are guys who are finding their satisfaction in a home and what their house looks like or the car that they drive. Um, and, and we wouldn't consider these like coping mechanisms or sins. Um, you know, everyone that deals with the big sins, like, oh, you're, you're, I mean, we can even put porn in like the big sin. All right. So we'd say like, oh, you're looking at porn or you're addicted to drugs or you're drinking too much alcohol. You should probably go to recovery or see a counselor or go to celebrate recovery. Um, and yet there's a bunch of people, there's a bunch of us, like people who aren't committing the quote unquote big sins. And yet we're still, um, coping in really unhealthy ways. Um, and we're finding joy and satisfaction and identity, and we're just covering up our hurt in all kinds of ways that may seem healthy or I guess less unhealthy than other people, but they're still super unhealthy for our souls. And I think they're still not Jesus. Like bottom line, it's still not Jesus. Um, and I, I just feel like I, I needed to talk about that today. One for my own life 
And two, for any dudes that are listening who feel like you're going to sleep at night and maybe you're convincing yourself like, eh, I'm all right. Like I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm not looking at porn or maybe I, 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 you know, I'm not cheating on my wife and I'm not doing any drugs and I'm not drinking a bunch. Everything in moderation. I'm fine. I would ask you just to evaluate your heart and, and to look for what areas of your life are you continuing to cope Cope with your hurt, cope with your own shame, cope with your um, sin, cope with your um, your lack of identity or your insecurities. What things are you looking to, to give you some kind of hope, future, security, identity, joy that's outside of Jesus? And even though it may not hit the big sins, um, you're still using something to cope with whatever's actually happening deep down in your heart. And to address it, and that's where I feel like I'm I'm at. And um, I think a lot of it, if I'm honest, is um, you know I've told you guys this story a bunch, especially if you listen to the podcast way back in the day. But I worked in the church world for a long time, uh, and the last church I worked at, it just ended in a really bad, like it was it was a just an ugly way to end it. Um, and uh, I left the church world really hurt and bitter and like mad at the church and mad at church leadership and um, just feeling like I'd never be part of a church again or like in any kind of church leadership again. And I think as a way to kind of like, I don't know how else to say that, but like, you know, kind of like flex my muscles as a man to kind of prove myself as a man. I just thought, all right, whatever. I don't need to have this. um, I don't need anybody telling me what to do, or I don't need a title of a pastor at a church. Like I'll go do my own thing. I'll start my own thing and I'll, I'll start my own businesses. And, and really I didn't start businesses uh, because I felt like I, you know, I just was really excited about it and wanted to do a cool thing. I, I did it because I wanted, I was like flexing my muscles or want to be muscles. And I wanted to have some pride, like, look at me, I can still sustain even when I feel like I'm broken or knocked down, I can still sustain myself. I'm a strong man. And the truth is, dude, like I'm just, I'm weak. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm like freakishly insecure. And, uh, you know, I like, I want dad tired to be successful and some days it's good. It comes from a really healthy place. Um, I think most days it comes from a really healthy place. I really want guys to fall in love with Jesus and to be, I want you to fall more in love with Jesus. I want you to lead your family. Well, I want you to stop listening to this podcast and go pursue your wife and hug her and kiss her and be involved with your kids and lead them towards Jesus. I genuinely and desperately want that. But sometimes uh, when my pride and my sin and my insecurity gets in the way, I just want to like feel like I'm doing something cool and like I'm part of something big and like my identity is deeply wrapped up in the things that I'm doing. Not in who Jesus says I am because Jesus says I'm valuable regardless of what I do. It's not about what I do, but who I am. And he says I'm his child. And yet sometimes I'm convinced that what I do is actually what gives me value and what other people think of me gives me value. And so that's not like a big sin. I'm not like uh, watching porn and I'm not addicted to a drug or drinking alcohol excessively. And yet I'm still finding ways to cope with my insecurities and my shame and my brokenness in quote unquote healthy ways. And yet, dude, I'm like, I'm far from God uh, in this area of my heart. And I need to repent from it. I need to repent from my Christian coping mechanisms. (sighs) I feel like I've been talking for a long time. (laughs) Um, So that's what's been on my heart, man. Here's the thing. 
God doesn't want you to check this stuff out and to examine your heart because he is prideful or because he's narcissistic and he just like wants you to hate everything else because he really wants you to have all his, your attention on him because he's all about himself. God wants you to be all consumed with him and not these other things because he's actually a good God. And I know that sounds really cliche and I know that sounds very churchy, but the point, the, the truth is that God knows as your creator, as your designer, that you are looking for satisfaction and joy and hope and identity and things that will fail you. It's sinking sand, as he calls it, and he's the only rock. And uh, that, you know, your work, uh, even if you are like addicted to drugs or alcohol or looking at porn or whatever, like you, you know that these things are failing you. That the things that you think are going to give you joy and hope and security and satisfaction, your job, your fantasy football team, your car, your bank account, your status at work, like you know that stuff doesn't satisfy. It always leaves you wanting more. And so God's not just like this God that just is all about himself because he's all about himself. He loves you so much that he's telling you all the things that you're trying to pursue right now will fail you. And the only thing that won't fail you is me. So come back to me, your first love. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm rambling, but I think you guys get my point here. I wrote down, I don't ever have notes for anything when I teach and when I like do this podcast, I never have notes or anything, but I just wrote two words, uh, as I was putting on this notepad, the two words I, I put on this notepad that's sitting right in front of me as I'm recording this are Christian coping. And uh, I think we as a world know all kinds of ways that we cope with sin and we send people off to counseling and all this stuff for the big coping like drugs and alcohol, sex and all that stuff. But I think as a Christian culture, we are coping with quote unquote good things or less unhealthy things that still are far from Jesus. And I just want to remind you, there's nothing that can satisfy your soul outside of Jesus. He's the only one that can give you the hope you need. And so, bro... Uh, examine your heart, man. Where are you spending your time, your money, your passion, your energy? What are you putting your hope into that? Um, it's deeper than just like you're having fun. It's like actually, it's, it's like kind of your God and you're really hoping that it doesn't fail you. Could be your wife. Um, we do it in all kinds of ways, but could be your kids. Anyway, I'm just rambling at this point. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening to my rambling. Uh, Hey, Tomorrow, like I said, I'm interviewing Jeff Bethke. If you haven't checked him out, go check him out. Get prepared for that interview. You're going to love it. Um, and also, uh, I've got my buddy, John Cuff, who's going to be on the, the podcast here in a couple of weeks as well. So I love you guys. Thanks for listening. If you would, leave a rate and review if this is encouraging to you and point you back to Jesus. Um, that would be helpful for us. Love you guys. Have a good week. See you.